In this episode of Tim Talk, we continue discussing religious diversity in healthcare. Thank you for joining us for Tim Talk. I'm Tim Dentry, President and CEO of Northern Light Health. Through this podcast, we hope to create a collective understanding of the vital role of diversity and tolerance in all of our lives. This includes religious diversity and tolerance, which we've discussed with members of the Jewish and Catholic faiths thus far on these podcasts. Joining me to continue the discussion today is Pastor Jerry Mick of Cross Point Church in Bangor. Thank you for joining me here today, Pastor Mick. Thank you so much, Tim, for inviting me, and I'm looking forward to a great discussion. My pleasure. May I call you Jerry? Yes, you may. Thank you. For starters, Jerry, could you share with me a little bit about Cross Point Church? Absolutely. Cross Point Church, uh, Tim, was founded way back in 1967. That's when we were incorporated. And Cross Point Church uh, has uh, multi-ministries embedded in it. One, obviously, is the congregation. When we think of church, is people coming to church or going to church. But what sets Cross Point a little bit different from many uh, churches in the area is that we have a lot going on that really meets the needs of the community, hurting and vulnerable people. And I think that's why it's really such a great opportunity to be on this program, because that's what you're trying to do as well, is to reach out and kind of find out what people are doing to meet the needs of the hurting and vulnerable, which, of course, the hospital does. So, for example, we have an inner city church that caters to the following five population groups, prostitutes, drug addicts, alcoholics, people coming out of jail. And these populations are what we would call the lower level of the rung in society. And we feed them, we have church services for them, we provide an opportunity to take a shower. And the fifth group of that are the homeless people. So we are working with people at what people might consider rock bottom. And right now, Tim, you might find this uh, fascinating as well. We're also helping the city and providing a warming center. And so we have the homeless uh, come. We do bag checks. Uh, For example, we had a bag check. Someone had 75 needles, dirty needles, used needles. We've taken weapons off people. And they come at 6 in the evening. We feed them dinner. And they stay there all night. We feed them breakfast at 7 in the morning, and then they leave. And then they come back that evening. So this is what we're doing downtown Bangor on Center Street. So we are really concerned about helping the vulnerable. Really, Tim, one might consider the outcasts of our society that people don't really care about. But we do, because we believe that every person is a special creation of God. Every single person no matter if they live in the penthouse or the outhouse, is important because the Bible says that we're created in the image of God. So that's one, just one aspect of our ministry. Uh, The other aspect is that we have two homes, and I won't give you the street because we kind of try to keep this a little bit confidential, but we have two large homes in Bangor that sit side by side in which young girls and women who find themselves pregnant, they might be on the street, Uh, They might actually be from what might be considered an average home, but most of them grow up in environments that are atrocious, and they find themselves pregnant, and they want to have the child, but they have no support. And so we bring the girls in, we feed them, we house them, we clothe them, and we allow them to have their child. And so we help them uh, give birth, and that's called the Shepherd God Parent Home. 
And then, of course, we have another uh, part of our ministry, too, which is Bangor Christian Schools, which is a K-4 through uh, grade 12 school, which is fully accredited by the New England Associations of Schools and Colleges that we have on our campus. And besides that, we have a church. And so it's a very busy place, and I'm a very busy person, but I'm really fortunate and glad that you asked me to come on this program because in the same way, we're trying to help those uh, that are hurting, that need support. And I know people, when they come to the hospital, they need support. Hurting and vulnerable people, absolutely. And the way that you uh, use those words in several different, many different contexts, I, I just, I'm, I'm thankful to know you and to be on this podcast with you right now and to, uh, to give shelter to, to those that are in need is just a wonderful calling. So I, I thank you so much for that. There's been a little thing going on in, in our uh, world called COVID these days. And I was talking with uh, another organization that was asking me questions and they used the term malevolence. I hadn't seen that. You know, we all know the destructive nature of the virus, not only from a medical point of view, but what it does to economies and people's lives and jobs and their, their, their shelteredness has become such a shelter away. They aren't as connected with people and, and things of that nature. So it's, it's wreaked havoc. It's wreaked malevolence in so many different ways. But you have done so many things to to show that there's still hope and show that there's still a connection. So I know that you have, you know, hundreds of people every every week, you know, that that you are engaging with and you are sharing your sermon with and and so many others and all the activities that you talked about. How has COVID really impacted you and your voice and and uh, those in your flock, if I may use that term? Well, what we've had to do, of course, as you know, uh, the state uh, mandate uh, through Governor Mills's office is only 15 people, I'll be 50 people rather, can gather together in, a, in a, a building. So that's created a challenge. We seat 800, we can put 800 in. And so you can imagine a seven to 800 seat auditorium with 50 people. We are extremely social distanced. So there's no problem there. But the challenge with that is that we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who aren't able to come to church. So they're watching us online. We've always streamed our services, our three morning services. We've done that for years. But what we're doing right now is we started with five services. So I was speaking five times on Sunday, and we just felt that was a little too much. Not so much for me, but for our volunteers. You just can't ask volunteers to be there at 6 a.m. until 3 or 4 in the afternoon. It has created an extreme challenge. We've had even our own congregation. Uh, we've had two people commit suicide because according to their family, uh, the virus, they couldn't get the mental health that they needed. We've had numerous people fall back into drug addiction because we have a big program in-house along with the inner city church. Uh, we have a couple of programs on Wednesday evenings and during the week at our church where people come, support groups, and just because that was lax for a while, no meeting or only 10. Unfortunately, some of them fell back into drugs and one of them actually overdosed, another one committed suicide. So Tim, this has had a major effect, uh, not only on the people and the families where people have passed away due to COVID, but it's actually spilled over into other areas with people losing their businesses. And we have uh, two uh, LCPCs on our staff and the amount of people that they're seeing just because of anxiousness, because of depression has really skyrocketed. 
And I think it's going to be a couple of years before we see the total fallout and carnage of, of COVID, which is horrific to all of us, which I'm sure you're seeing here at the hospital level as well. Yeah. Thank you for painting that picture. And those that are in the communities that we serve, we all, we all are servants and um, we carry out our mission no matter what. And so that's what I hear you say, which I, I really admire that. And I, I thank you for that. We're in the trenches. We really are. And, and you know, it, it's also that, you know, people need hope from any sources that they can get. And we, I believe, are giving them hope, those in, right. in both of our missions. So thank you for that. So, Jerry, that was terrific. I want to take the opportunity now to hear what you would like to know from me. All right. Well, as you might know, I'm part of the Clergy Advisory Committee uh, under uh, Dr. Bernard Richardson, who, by the way, is a fabulous guy. He's a wonderful guy. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much for allowing uh, the hospital once again to have clergy come and be invested and and have a chaplain. That's wonderful. But I'm just wondering, maybe you could share with myself and the listeners the commitment and, and where you stand on far as your support for chaplaincy. And, and not just chaplaincy, Tim, but it's more than that. It's the spiritual component of patience. I mean, obviously, there's the physical component, which we all agree with. Then there's that emotional part. But as a clergy person, uh, and many people in the community, clergy and non-clergy, we believe there's also a spiritual component. And we also believe that that's part of health and recovery. And so maybe you could just speak to that as in detail or not as a detail as you feel led to. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. And, uh, you know, first, I, I see it as more than allowing that kind of service. It's essential. It's absolutely essential. The um, body, mind, spirit, the care of the whole person. I mean, this is what healthcare workers are, are trained to do. Um, acknowledging that most healthcare workers are trained more on the body, some on the body and mind. And um, some of the real enlightened ones are getting the message out. And we're so glad that Bernard is with us, as you said. So many of our physicians really get the body-mind-spirit connection. And so we want that to be part of our culture of caring for one another in Northern Light. So it's really, really important. Care of the whole person and inclusion of the family. You already cited many examples where it's not just the patient in the bed, if you will, it's their family around them. And that is such a critical part for healing, such a critical part for people's definition of their own quality of life and what's going what's gonna to keep them happy and healthy. So that's really important. You know, the other thing I just have to say, though, Jerry, is the it's the emotional and therefore spiritual. I, I, I see very little distinction between body, mind, and spirit, myself personally. I see them as integrated. So I have a hard time segregating the three in the way I live my life. But the emotional health of our staff is so, so important, especially it's always important year round, no matter what the conditions are. But in this COVID crisis, where they're expected to go on in there and, and handle, you know, what, what faces uh, them and what the, the family and the, and the patients are dealing with. So that emotional health of our staff is, is very important. And so the services you're talking about, that Bernard and others that we have across our organization, we dedicate a lot to make sure 
were right there more than as witness, but as witness for our staff, but also to give them the support and give them tools in which uh, they can deal with this situation and just let them know we care and we, we embrace everything that they're doing. It really goes back to one of the first things that my mom, who was a nurse, and my granddad, who was a country doc, taught me, and that is, and this is very early in life, hospitals are a sacred place. And so in that sacred place, and now hospitals have broadened to, we're in so many, we're in hundreds of physician practices, our home care and hospice nurses, you know, go into homes, hundreds of homes every day. And so we're, we're out and about, we're in so many different places. They're places of, they're sacred places. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the church where you are a place for physically sick, we're a place for the spiritually sick. And uh, I share with people often in sermons, I say, you know, what I've learned in in my life is some people are broken, uh, some people are cracked, and some are shattered. But the reality of it is there are no perfect people. Right. Here, here. All righty. Let me ask you another question. How would that be? That would be great. (laughs) All right. Let me ask you uh, a question that in regard to uh, outreach, and let me kind of phrase it this way. I'm part of the uh, clergy advisory committee and working with Bernard. And one of the things that I have been doing is I'm kind of the community outreach coordinator for the hospital from a spiritual perspective of connecting the hospital that you oversee with the faith community. And uh, recently, this before COVID, we had a, a wonderful time where we met and we had uh, someone come and talk about Alzheimer's. And so we're looking to continue that. And it's difficult right now because of COVID because we're not able to meet. So we're thinking about uh, doing something in regard to Zoom. But I would just like to kind of hear uh, your thought on the importance of the hospital and connecting with the faith community. Yeah. Uh, again, I would use the word essential, first of all. It's it's not just one of those things we like to, you know, to check off a checklist or something like that. It, it needs to be part of exactly who we are. Healthcare is local and healthcare is only as good as the difference it is making in people's lives and in what is happening in our communities. And uh, the, the COVID crisis has brought that even more to bear. Northern Light is unique in that we serve in many disparate communities across Maine, as you know. And our vision is to always demonstrate that we are community treasures. And so we don't wanna just be that place wherever it is in those communities. We want everyone in the community to have trust in us, to have thankfulness for all the services and the accessibility and and the care that is there when they need it. In fact, to help them keep care in the forefront of their lives, of their lifestyles. Community treasures, really, really important. And we only do that by being a good partner. We can't be a good community treasure unless we're really, really good partners. So what you just described, I thank you because you're part of our outreach, our way of, of life as an organization of, of being a good partner and, com- and connecting with people in the community. Really important. So, so much of what ails healthcare in the United States right now is that the, the lion's share of resources are spent on the extremes of poor health. So a lot of the services you talked about, and as I've talked with other individuals on other podcasts, be it the police department or what have you, 
um, Rabbi Werner, for example, some of the things that they do in, in outreach. So much of that, I'm, I'm almost envious, but in a healthy, positive way, not in a, a negative way, um, that when people's lives aren't tended to the way that you all are, are tending to it as best as you can, then the people get into more extreme ill health and that's when historically in our country, in many hospitals, in many countries, but that's when they come to us. And, you know, and how many times have you heard, if only we would have done some things earlier and sooner. So that's our motivation. That's our vision for the future is be part, be a great partner on that front end so that we aren't dealing with as many of the, the, the real uh, travesties on, on the back end. It's really, really um, important. And I, I absolutely believe that our health system is, is great and even getting better. Uh, we, we care about people. We have a great, highly trained individuals. We're coordinating care. The quality is first and foremost, making ourselves uh, more and more accessible to people because healthcare can be a complicated thing to get into. To show that we're, we're there as part of their lives is, is really important. Great people, as I said, across Northern Light. And to do things together again on the front end of life before it becomes a critical situation on the back end. That's what uh, I hope to be able to influence on my time as CEO of Northern Light is to make us even more of that front end partner. Well, it's always better to be proactive than reactive. Very true. And so what we're trying to do on our end is, is working with people. Unfortunately, the proactive wasn't as good as it maybe could have been, or maybe they did not make necessarily the best decisions. But the reality of it is we try to take people where they are and help them get to where they need to be. And I think that's all we can do. That is, that is true. And we'll keep at it day in and day that's out. Right. Never give up. Thank you, Jerry. I really, really appreciate your time and your thoughts and your mission. Well, thank you for allowing me, and, and I wish you the best in your new position. And I trust you and everybody here associated with the hospital has a great holiday and a Merry Christmas. Thank you. Terrific. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you as well. And that will wrap up this episode of Tim Talk. Thank you to you, our podcast listeners, as well. Until next time, I'm Tim Dentry, encouraging you to listen and act to promote our culture of caring, diversity, and inclusion. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tim Talk. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please go to northernlighthealth.org slash podcast. We welcome you to join us in the new year on January 7th, when Tim will speak with Omar Conte about religious diversity and tolerance as it relates to Islam.